Hosea chapter 5. When you found Hosea chapter 5, if you'll stand, please. The rest of you join us when you find it. We're waiting for your youth pastor right now. Hosea chapter 5. Hosea 5, look at verse number 3. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hid from me. Now, whose name was changed to Israel? Jacob, all right? So I know Ephraim and Israel sometimes. You'll read the name Jacob. Sometimes you'll read the name Israel, but it would be the same person. What is your middle name? What is your middle name? Dwayne. So he is either Derek or Dwayne. When he's in trouble, he's Derek Dwayne. Yes, right. All right? So if you read uh, Jacob, you read Israel, that is uh, the same person. Is not hid from me, for now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom, and Israel is defiled. Notice this phrase in verse number 4. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. Heavenly Father, help me as I preach as we close the conference now. Uh, Lord, you have worked in our hearts through every part of the conference from the beginning until now. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us that we would make decisions in this final hour that would affect, that would mold uh, that would provide guidelines and guardrails for our lives. Now, Lord, I pray your will be done in this hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let me, let me define the phrase of the message. They will not frame their doings. What does the word frame mean? The word frame means borders. The word frame means boundaries. What does it mean to frame a picture? It means to put the picture in the center of the frame. I am not a good photographer. Uh, I take pictures, but I'm not a good photographer. Sometimes I take an excellent picture of someone from their forehead down. Uh, I, I don't get that person framed uh, very well. When you frame something, you put it in the center of the frame. A baseball diamond has borders. When the ball is pitched and the batter hits the ball, if he hits the ball within the borders, it's called a fair ball. If it's hit outside the borders, it's called a it's called a foul ball. Uh, you'll notice that when a player, uh, a right-handed batter, he may pull the ball down that third base line, and you may see that ball loop, and it's uh, it's going toward left field, but it's uh, uh, shading out of bounds, and uh, everybody's watching uh, to see where the ball goes, and they're watching the umpire, and if the ball's fair, he points to the field, it's in play, but if it's out of, uh, of bounds, if it's past the line, he'll hold his hands up. You know what that means? you got to bat again. And you come back and you have a strike against you. 
you get three strikes and you're out. Now, you can't foul out in baseball. You can uh, in softball. A third uh, strike foul is out. But we watch for the umpire uh, to make the call. And if it is in bounds, it is fair. If it's out, it's a foul ball. Uh, football season ended uh, not too long ago, and uh, I enjoy watching the sport of football. And uh, how many times have we seen that pass go uh, down the sideline and, and the slow motion of television? Uh, uh, this fellow goes up and he makes a tremendous catch, and uh, we watch when he comes down, and the umpire is standing there. He's looking at the line. He's looking at his feet, and if he goes like this, he's out of bounds. He's out of bounds. You know what that means? You don't gain a yard. You go right back to where the play started, and you get an opportunity to try it again. However, if the player comes down and his feet is within the boundaries, if it's within the line, he'll point down like that, and he'll point that's where the ball advances to. He is within the boundaries. Every sport is designed to play within borders. Every sport is designed to play within borders. You can't play baseball if you don't have borders. You can't play basketball if you don't have borders. Uh, you've seen uh, games where little fellows are learning to play, and uh, they just want the ball. They want to keep the ball, and sometimes they'll take off running, and they'll run all the way to the other end. That's all right, but when they go across the line, the referee, he blows the whistle, and uh, you're on the line. You're out of bounds, and the ball goes to the other team. Uh, in volleyball, I've enjoyed watching the volleyball tournament here in our state just a, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, boy, somebody will hit the ball and uh, spike. And sometimes uh, that ball just take a nosedive. And they'll be standing there. And uh, they think the ball is going to go out of bounds. But the ball takes a nosedive. And it lands inside the line. And uh, the judge line, he says, it's in. That means the other team gets a point. If it is out of bounds, it doesn't matter how good the spike looked. It doesn't matter how high uh, the gal jumped. It doesn't matter how loud the uh, crowd cheers. It doesn't matter how well the set was. If it's out of bounds, it's out of bounds. And they not only don't score, the other team is awarded a point. And so we understand what it means to play inside the lines, inside the boundaries. Uh, a boxing ring, it has boundaries. And when they get against the ropes, uh, they, uh, uh, the referee, he'll step in until they get off the ropes. And then uh, if it's me boxing, he steps out of the way and they knock me right back against the ropes again. And, uh, and, but anyway, there are boundaries. Uh, a, uh, a highway, a road has boundaries. Uh, that's good because uh, uh, cars uh, that are traveling uh, 50 miles an hour each coming uh, like this, if we didn't have boundaries, uh, then we'd have a lot of accidents. Now, the Bible says of Ephraim, he would not frame uh, their doings. You know what that meant? Uh, that meant they were always knocking the ball out of bounds. Uh, oh, boy, could he ever pull the ball, but he always pulled it out of bounds. Boy, could he ever hit the ball, but he always hit it out of bounds. And Ephraim would not play within the boundaries. Uh, and the Bible says uh, they will not frame their doings to turn unto uh, their God. May I say today uh, that God has boundaries in every 
area of life. Now, I want to help you to see this in a positive manner. God has boundaries. God has laws. They're called the laws of nature and of nature's God. Now, can I tell you, you really cannot break the laws of God. What really happens is the laws of God eventually will break you. Uh, you can get on top of this building and say, I'm going to break the law of gravity. Watch this. And you jump from the building, and, uh, and for a few seconds, uh, things are fine, and everybody's cheering and excited. But then all of a sudden, we learn, you did not break the law of gravity. The law of gravity broke you. And so, if you get outside of the laws, if you get outside of the boundaries, God blows the whistle and He says, that's outside the boundaries. You see, I know a lot of folks that live outside the boundaries. They sing about living outside the boundaries. They laugh about living outside the boundaries. And it looks like they're having fun. They're having about as much fun as a fellow jump off a 50-foot building. Soon, he's going to hit the bottom and that law is going to break him. Our nation today is a nation of broken families, of broken hearts and broken lives. There are folks here today, you carry a burden and that burden is a result of somebody in your life who lived outside the boundary and they really didn't break the law, but that law uh, that they have crossed has broken their life and has broken hearts. Now, so the Bible says of Ephraim, he would not frame his doings. He would not live inside the frame. He would not live inside the borders. Now, let me tell you who Ephraim was. Ephraim was one of the two sons of Joseph. Well, let me back up, if I may. Joseph's father is Jacob. Now, Jacob is, uh, uh, his name is changed to Israel. And uh, God made him a prince with God, and Jacob had 12 sons. Now, of those 12 sons, the most successful was Joseph. Joseph was obedient to his father. Uh, Joseph had a relationship with God. Uh, Joseph had big dreams for life. Uh, And when Joseph was thrown in the pit, he didn't get mad at God. Uh, He was patient with God, and he went from the pit to Potiphar's house. Now, when he went to Potiphar's house, he was such a good worker, he was such a good steward that Potiphar put him over everything that he had. Anything that Potiphar had, Joseph could enjoy. However, Potiphar's wife, if you know the story, she tried to get Joseph to commit sin. Uh, Joseph would not commit sin. You know what Joseph did? He lived inside the borders. He lived inside the borders. And uh, Joseph had the coat of many colors. Everybody knows about that. But he also had a coat of integrity. And Joseph uh, would not go against his God. And you know the result of doing right? You know what the result of doing right was? Went to prison. Now, some of you think, boy, I tried to do right and it didn't work out too well. It's not finished. It's not over. 
Just because he went to the prison didn't mean life was over. He went to the prison and he said, I don't like prison, but if I have to be in prison, I'm going to be the best Christian I can be in prison. And God blessed him in the prison. He blessed the prisoners. He blessed everybody there because of Joseph. Now, you know the story. Eventually, Joseph becomes the prime minister of all of Egypt. Not only does he have the position, not only does he have the power, he is successful and he saves the world at that time because of his wisdom in a family and his family in that time of famine. Now, wait just a minute. Hold on to the story. Jacob is Joseph's father and Joseph has two sons. Those sons are Manasseh, the firstborn, and then Ephraim. Joseph's father is getting sick and he's getting close to death. By this time, he can't see very well. Uh, But I want you to understand, uh, because he was alive, Joseph wanted uh, those two boys to see Jacob. Now, in those days, uh, the, uh, uh, there was a great respect for the father and the hand on the head of the boys not only was his approval, but was his blessing. And so here we have Jacob who is blessed. He goes from a crooked, dirty, rotten, deceiving thief and he becomes a prince with God. Isn't it something what God can do with a surrendered heart? Isn't it something that God could take old Jacob? We were talking about it in the office the other day. And uh, my son Joel, he said, I don't like Jacob. I've heard you say that. And Dad, he said, the more I read about Jacob, the more I dislike him. And I said, you know what Jacob represents? He said, what? I said, you. He said, what do you mean? I said, it represents your flesh and mine. And when you and I come to the place that we hate our flesh as much as we hate Jacob, it's then that God can change you from Jacob to a prince with God or can make you an Israel. Are you with me? It's easy for us to hate Jacob when it's somebody else, but the truth is my old flesh is wicked and dirty and rotten, and I need to hate me like I hate Jacob, this old flesh. I'm glad I've been born again by the grace of God. I have a new nature within me. Now, Joseph makes his way to see the father and uh, makes his way to see Jacob. Uh, Jacob can't see very well, and uh, Jacob calls for the boys to come. And he actually has his hands on them, and he cannot see to tell the difference in the two. And he first puts his hand on Ephraim's head, and Joseph interrupts him. He says, Dad, uh, that's uh, not Manasseh, uh, that's Ephraim. Manasseh is the firstborn. He said, I understand. I, I do know what I'm doing. I'm not making a mistake. And I want you to bring Manasseh as well. And he puts his hands on Manasseh's head, and he puts his hands on Ephraim's head, and he blesses them there. Not only is it a good emotional experience, not only is it a blessed time to see his father bless his own sons. You understand the power of heaven, the power of God. The blessings have come from Jacob to Joseph and now comes to Manasseh and Ephraim. And he blesses those two boys. Here's what I want you to see. Now, don't miss it. Give me your attention. Look right back this way. Listen. 
of anybody who ever had the greatest opportunity in all of the world to be blessed of God, it would have been the sons of Joseph, the grandsons of Jacob. Of the twelve boys of Jacob, Joseph was the most blessed. To be a son of Joseph, the prime minister of Egypt. Do you get this? Not just the physical, but the spiritual blessings. Both of them are there at the disposal of Manasseh and of Ephraim. I mean, you talk about a blessing. You talk about a birthright. You talk about an inheritance. You talk about an opportunity. Manasseh and Ephraim have been blessed both of their father and of their uh, Joseph and of their grandfather, uh, Jacob. Now, may I say this morning, there are many in this room who have been blessed in a similar fashion. Now, I'll be honest with you, I get a little frustrated at those who have the opportunity to grow up in a Christian home and in a Christian school, and they have a bad attitude about it. Now, now I want to tell you something. You're mighty blessed. Uh, You're mighty blessed if you grew up in a preacher's home, if you grew up in a Christian home, if you grew up in a Christian school. You're mighty blessed. Sometimes I wish I could take that rebel and let you feel the pain of sin and so you don't uh, let the devil destroy your life. But the only way uh, you can do it is to experience it and destroy your life. Uh, God help us to understand how blessed we are. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. Uh, Children of God, we are double blessed. Uh, Manasseh and Ephraim, the sons of Joseph, uh, the grandsons of Jacob. There was no limit to what they could do. There, There was no limit at all. I mean, you talk about the prime minister of Egypt. You talk about the father of Israel, the heads of the two nations. Does not the Bible say that we can be blessed of both God and man? That the child of God can be at peace with, can be blessed by both God and man. And that is the picture I see. Here's an opportunity of the father of Israel and the prime minister of Egypt representing God and the world, having the very best of both worlds. Boy, I'm expecting a lot out of Ephraim, aren't you? What an opportunity. What a blessing, what a privilege that Ephraim had. However, there was a problem. Ephraim wouldn't play in the lines. Ephraim wouldn't play within the borders. Ephraim wouldn't live his life within, the Bible says, and they will not frame their doings. And you know what happened? Ephraim was not blessed. Ephraim ended up living under the curse of God. The one who had the greatest potential ended up with the least because, because, because he would not. He kept stepping on the line. Referee, blow the whistle and you're out of bounds. You lose the ball. He wouldn't stay within the bounds. Now, here's what I want you to get. Sometimes you hear us preaching against things, as he mentioned. 
He talked about bad music. He talked about the love of money. He talked about those things, uh, and, and we preach against those things. You know why? It's not because we want to keep folks from enjoying life. You can enjoy life if you don't stay within the boundaries. Do you know what we really want? I want you to enjoy the blessings of Ephraim. I want you to enjoy the blessings of Joseph. I want you to enjoy the blessings of Jacob. I'm not mad. Look, we just are saying, look, that's the line. If you step over the line, you're going to lose the ball. If you don't hit the ball within the line, you're going to get a point against you. If you don't catch the ball inside, you may look good. You may have made a good catch, but if you're out of bounds, it doesn't count. Listen to me. You can have everything. You can have everything God wants you to have if you just play in the lines. It's not a matter of what we preach against. It's a matter of saying you just live within the lines and you can have everything God wants you to have. Let me ask you a question. We've got a little chihuahua dog. Boy, the heart of a chihuahua. Well, if you ever put the heart of a chihuahua in a boxer, you'd have to ban them. I mean, you'd have to put a ban on boxers if they had the heart of a chihuahua. I've been bitten by more chihuahuas. They're preacher eaters. I mean, they're, they're ankle biters. I hate it when they say, he won't bite. That's the biggest lie. If he's ever bitten a biscuit, he'll bite me. They always try to bite me. And I hate it when they get their fangs hung in my britchy leg and I'm trying to get them off out there. That little, that little chihuahua. And then you see that big pit bull. I mean, he just walks around, you know, stepping on his... He just like that. Let me ask you a question. Is a fence between the chihuahua and the pit bull a good thing or bad thing for the chihuahua? It's a good thing. Now, you may not believe this. I had a chihuahua once that killed a pit bull. The pit bull choked to death on my chihuahua. (laughs) Fences are not put up to keep you from having fun. Fences are put up to keep you from being killed. Fences are not put up so we can say, hey, boy, it's a lot of fun over there. You can look through the fence and see how fun it is, but you can't go over there. Absolutely not. The fun is inside the fence. The happiness, the freedom's inside the fence. Uh, The care uh, from the owner is inside the fence. Now, listen to me. You can have everything. God is a blesser. Some folks see God as a mean old man with a big stick waiting for somebody to cross the line saying, whop them. That's not what kind of God I have. I have a heavenly Father who loves me, and He has so designed life that He said, Son, you can have everything. You can have the joy of marriage. You can have the joy of family. You can have the joy of living. You can have the happiness of life. Here's all I want you to do. Play inside the lines. Stay inside the boundaries. 
Have you ever seen anybody, have you ever ever seen a a basketball player uh, get in a fight because he stepped across the line, but he thinks he ought to be able to step across the line back in? No, no, they may come close. Have you ever seen a fella, he'll catch the ball, he's falling out of bounds, you know what he'll do? He'll call time out so he don't lose the ball. Can I tell you something? God is a wonderful God. Marriage is wonderful. Inside the boundaries. What are the boundaries? Well, God said, I want, to keep, I want you to keep yourself pure. I want you to keep yourself clean. We don't have, as Brother Davis mentioned, we don't allow dating in high school. You, you, you're not ready for that. There are other things that must be learned and developed before you get to that. In fact... We don't allow dating for freshmen in the first semester at college. You say, that's unheard of. Well, you just heard about it. The Christmas banquet is the first opportunity for freshmen to have a date at college. You know what? It's not a bad thing. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to keep freshmen from getting married the seventh week they're at school. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to keep folks out of trouble before it's time. Look, God wants you, young men, God has a helpmeet for you. He wants you to enjoy every aspect of marriage. He wants you to enjoy every aspect of the relationship that God wants you to have. Young ladies, God has a young man for you, and God wants you to enjoy the roles and the responsibilities and the privileges that come. Rules are not saying, hey, I'm going to keep you from having fun, and as soon as you start having fun, I'm going to write another rule. That's not what it's about. God said, let me tell you, this is the playing field. This is where we play. I grew up, and uh, our uh, yard was a baseball field. And uh, we didn't have grass in very many places of our baseball field. It was a makeshift kind of thing. We had uh, uh, paper plates for the bases sometimes and all of that. Have you ever stepped onto a professional baseball field? Just looked at it and said, wow. Boy, I'd like to play on that field. A few years ago, our high school team was invited to play a basketball game at Rupp Arena. We walked into that place. Wow. I mean, this is the mecca of college basketball. You, you Duke and North Carolina fans just going to excuse me. I promised to preach the truth when God called me to preach. I preach nothing but the truth. And I mean, we walked in there, and I mean, wow, what a place to play basketball. You know what God's will is for me? It's the best baseball diamond in the world to play on. Amen. You know what the will of God is to me? It's the best basketball court ever to play basketball. Hey, the will of God, God said, hey... You want to play in the big leagues? You want to play wherever? Hey, you just get in my will. I want to tell you something. The will of God is a wonderful life. It's full of joy. It's full of happiness. You say, preacher, do you ever have tears? I have tears every week. But most of my tears are for those that 
went outside the borders and ruined their life. And I shed tears for them. I have my own burdens. I have my own disappointments. But I'm going to tell you something. I've been in and around jails and prisons. I've been to the hospitals. I've received the calls at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning when death has come as a result of sin. I want to tell you something. I'll keep my tears. I'll keep my broken heart. I don't want the broken heart of those that died outside the borders, that those that died outside the frame. What I want to tell you, God has a life like no other. And if you get in the will of God, and when you get on the line, God's going to blow the whistle and say, get back in that line. You can't cross the line. That's a wonderful thing. You ever tried to play a uh, a basketball game without referees? You play with that one guy, I mean, if you, if you breathe on him, foul. He shoots and misses, foul. Who fouled you? He did. When? I, he didn't foul you. But then when he's playing defense and you go up, he clobbers you. And you say, foul? And he says, oh, man, I didn't foul you. The worst place in the world to play basketball is in a church league. All of the flesh that we have crucified and oppressed <laughs> is released at a basketball game. One of the best friends I have in the world today is Brother John C. Brother C. pastors of Frederick Baptist Church in Frederick, Maryland. There was a day years ago that Brother C. coached at Nelson County Baptist School and I coached Clay's Mill Baptist Church. I didn't coach, I just yelled at him. I thought that's what coaches did. I never saw them in practice. I just saw them in the game. You just yell, hey, you knucklehead, don't shoot. Oh, good shot. <laughs> now, the very worst comes out of me, and even worse than that comes out of John C. at a basketball game. We were playing. I was coaching one team. He was coaching another. This 22 years ago. They made a call. Brother C did what he does in every call. He complained to the ref. <laughs> Come on, ref. He didn't foul him. Come on, ref. My guys are getting killed down here. Call it both ways, ref. Finally, they had enough. You know what they did, Brother C? Now, when you get a technical, when you get a technical in a high school basketball, you got the seatbelt rule. So, Brother C's coaching like this. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. And you can't get up. If you get up, you get not only another technical, you're out of the game. You're out of the gym. Fourth quarter. The score is close. So happens the referee standing beside me. They miss a call down there, and guess who jumps out of their seat? There he stands. I said, you going to let him stand up, or are you going to make him sit down like he's supposed to? I just said it nice and kind like a Christian would say it. He looks over, there he's standing, 
He blows a whistle. Boop. (laughs) (laughs) The best referees money can buy. I dread preaching. I dread going to church next time he preaches. But anyway. <laughs> Finally, both of us decided neither of us are coaches. Yeah. And if we are, it's the most difficult time in the world to crucify the flesh. <laughs> you can't play ball without a referee. Yes, sir. Referees are not designed to keep you from having fun. They're designed to help you enjoy the game without getting killed. You know what God is? God said, I've prepared the will of God for you to live life in. When you live life, you can have a wonderful life. Now, when you get on the line, I have to blow the whistle. You keep getting on the line, and you keep breaking the rules, I'm going to put you out of the game. I want you to understand there's not a happier life in all the world than the will of God. How many have attempted the fun with drugs, alcohol? They're gone today. They're gone. Many have died a premature death. There's an epidemic of drug use across America. Listen to me. God wants you to have everything. I love the words joy, happy, and blessed in the Bible. Joy is an inner peace. Happiness is an outward expression. You know what blessed means? Blessed means happy, happy. Let me say it to you like this. It's a double cheeseburger. Blessed is a baconator. You've heard better preachers and better teachers, but you've never heard a happier person in all your life than what you're looking at right now. I'm glad I had a dad that said, Hey, boy, get back in bounds there. I'm glad I had a mama that said, I don't know if she should have said this or not. I don't know if I'd recommend this or not. I'm just telling you what she said. I'd rather for you to be dead in heaven than out of the will of God. No, I've seen God answer too many prayers than for her to pray something like that about me. (laughs) I'm glad I had a mama that prayed for me. I'm glad my dad took me to preaching across the country not to see some kind of a presentation that'd make you laugh and cry, but the old-time preaching, I'm talking about the preaching of the men of God like a Lester Olaf or a Dr. Howes or a John Rice that preached with power and conviction that said, you stay inside the line. You stay inside the border. I'm glad because you know what it produces? It produces a happy, a joyful, a blessed, a double happy life. You can have everything. Just stay inside the lines. Sadly, Ephraim... He could have known the best of both worlds. Happiness with God and man. But they would not frame their doings. Don't look at a rule as something negative. 
Look at a rule as a line of protection that keeps you in the game. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You've heard six, I'm sorry, you've heard eight sermons. It may be the very first sermon you heard on Monday night. God spoke to your heart. On Wednesday night, God spoke to your heart about something you've not yet made a decision about. You've been putting it off. Or you may be saying, if I can get past this last service, get away from that. Listen to me. Go ahead and yield your life to God. Just go ahead and decide, I want to score some points. I want to enjoy life. I'm going to play inside the lines. Oh, Heavenly Father. I pray that today you would help us, dear God, that we would know that the will of God is a most beautiful and wonderful place in all of the world to live our lives. And I pray that you'd help us when the flesh tempts us to go outside the frame, outside the border, outside the line, that we would realize there's destruction out here. There's protection inside. Speak to our hearts. Help us not to allow the world to become come between us and you or us to become between you and the world. But, Lord, may we let our light shine. God, may you use us. In Jesus' name, amen.